It took me three days to get out of Texas. I thought about going back to San Antonio and swinging through there, but that was south, and I was heading north, so I went through Dallas instead. And then I went to Six Flags, which was interesting. I made myself go on four different roller coasters, because I was always so scared to do that sort of thing when I was a kid. We might have gone to a roller coaster park once when I was a kid, maybe twice, but probably once. And I remember my family members making fun of me because I stood in line and I was getting ready to go and I chickened out. I ran away. <laughs> I was probably like 17. I was so scared. And so me at 24, I was like, oh, I need to go do this now. And I just... Uh, tell myself that I can, that I should, that I will. And I ended up just hanging out at Six Flags for the afternoon by myself. And then after that, uh, I went home. I made my way back to Indianapolis. And the funny thing is home for me never really was one specific place. I have a hometown that I spent the majority of my childhood in, of course. For me, since we moved so much, Home was where your heart was, right? Like the old saying goes, home was where my family lived because I think me, I've had something like 33 addresses in my entire life. Let's say, let's be conservative and say 30. Me and my mother once worked it back to when I was about three years old. That's about as far back as we could figure it out how many addresses I've had. And when I was a kid, there were periods where we spent a long time in one address, right? That wasn't one per year. Sometimes that was one for five years, and then sometimes it was two per year or something like that. It was, it was a real gypsy, vagabond lifestyle for a while. And when I got back to Indianapolis in the summer of 2011, that was home then because that's where my parents were. That's where my brother and sister were. And they were really the people that mattered to me the most. And it was such a joy to return home, having changed so much, having seen so many things. And I remember pulling up and knocking on the door and I hugged my mom and I said, Mom, I'm home. In 2011 I had this free ride to college like at the time like I was living off the GI Bill and grant money and I picked the cheapest school I could get in that was fully accredited because as a veteran you kind of know how many places and people and things are trying to get that sweet sweet government cheese out of you because you have all these education benefits and the community college in Indiana was designed to transfer out to any four-year university and it was a two-year program right it was 60 credit hours and i thought oh i can bite this off in smaller chunks i can get this done a piece at a time and if i flunk out and gotta pay the money back community college was not that expensive so i wouldn't be out tens of thousands of dollars for a thing i didn't finish because in my generation of you know, students of people, student loan debt has crippled millions. And I knew if I could limit my exposure to that particular pitfall, 
then I had a better chance of not falling into it, right? Which it worked. I, I didn't have to take any student loans. And I got my first apartment a few months after I got home. I really enjoyed living with my parents, but I was a grown man. And I was kind of used to not asking my parents permission to do things at that point. And I'm like, oh, I love you guys, but I'm going to get an apartment now. And it was right across the street from the college, right? Not like a dorm, right? But there was this apartment complex. And I stayed there for my first year of school. And the building had a bit of a mouse problem. One might call it infested because I kept finding them all throughout the apartment they kept eating my bread and so i ended up killing three mice and they left their bodies next to a mouse hole to send a message and the mice kept coming back and so then i declared war after that and i called it operation apartment freedom and i had like this big whiteboard right and i had like little a tally going of how many kills i had and yeah my cousin came over and he saw the whiteboard and he's like you all right like are you are you good or do you need like to talk to someone? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm winning. I've killed 18 mice so far. You can tell from the count I'm keeping on my whiteboard in my kitchen. And toward the end, I had traps strategically placed all around the apartment, right? I had steel wool in each mouse hole I could find. I had poison positioned in where I knew high traffic areas were, right? I was fighting a counterinsurgency campaign against the mice that were infesting my apartment. And then when the exterminator gets there, he's like, bro, you have too much like stuff here. You have too many traps. You have too much poison in this apartment. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. And he says, the mice are so scared of this sort of saw death maze of pain and poison you have in here that they're not going to take the poison and bring it back to the nest to kill the nest. I'm like, oh, so I've won, right? I defeated the insurgents. And they're like, no, you need to let them take the poison, right? And take it to the babies. And I'm like, well, that's much less fun than killing them as they come and keeping the world safe for American democracy. And my neighbor owed money to heroin dealers, right? <laughs> Which, I mean, I knew the guy was like a dopehead because he tried borrowing stuff off me before and I was like, no thank you. And I just remember somebody went in his apartment and beat the crap out of him and took all this shit because he owed a lot of money. Which, to be honest, is a fucking horrific thing to listen to from the apartment next door. And... I moved out shortly after that <laughs> because, you know, I'm not trying to be involved, man. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, uh, go to school for free and meet girls. Like, I'm not trying to fight heroin dealers. This isn't the trailer park. Come on. And the interesting thing I found out as community college went on was how temporary all the relationships were but that reminded me so much of the military as well because at the community college you might have someone who's a friend for a semester maybe two out of that whole experience i have one friend out of that still and that's because he followed me to university and he was also in the national guard and we had a very similar life path but for the most part you start a new semester you try to make a couple friends you know you have a couple laughs and then rinse and repeat. So I was good in the moment, but I had trouble maintaining long-term relationships. I still do to this day. You know, I'm just now 
kind of good at it, right? We had such a gypsy vagabond experience as kids that we never really stuck around in one place long enough to build that sort of deep concrete roots. And then in the military, the same thing. And now um, as a 34 year old, I know how to kind of maintain and nurture a relationship and maintain a friendship and understand what that means and what my role is as a friend in a long-term sort of endeavor. But at the time, I, um, I was very lonely, especially during that first summer break in between classes. I didn't really have any money problems because I was making enough off the GI Bill plus a drill check. Plus, I kind of live cheap anyway that I didn't really need anything. And so I remember walking around the city and I didn't have a job, but I didn't really need a job. My rent was paid and everything. And I would just walk. I would pick a direction and just go. I would explore all the alleys, all the different side streets of downtown, of the greater Indianapolis area. And I was looking for something. I was distracting myself. I was getting lost. ETS and off of active duty and going to be a civilian again, right? Leaving that intense structure that is the military often feels like you're sleepwalking through someone else's dull, boring dream because the military always had a set schedule ahead, what we're gonna do day by day by day, right? And then I'm a civilian again and I'm like, oh, I just felt adrift, feeling out of place because this is the track for a success society has us on where you graduate high school and then you go to college. You graduate college at 22, you get a job and then you work your way up a ladder. That's a general blueprint for success in our society. And I was on a very different path. You know, I was very much an individual, which was something that was a dirty word in the military, right? Conformity was a virtue. And so people that conform have a vested interest in conserving traditions, which is a good thing, of course. We need people like that. Just like how we need the innovators that make new ideas and bring positive change. We need people who are invested in maintaining society. That's important. And the military is all about tradition. If you can conform the way they want you to, you can move up the ladder really fast. I had a hard time with that. Now, nonconformity is not a virtue in and of itself, right? Being a contrarian does not make you braver or smarter or better. And I'm saying my personality did not mesh very well with the military up to a certain level. Once I hit a certain point, there is a ceiling there. And I think to speak more in conformity, I have this theory, and I don't know if it's true, but people at the bottom don't conform, right? I think to hit the middle class, you have to conform to a certain degree, right? Because I kind of jumped classes. I started out at the lower class and then I made my way to the middle class because in the middle class, people act a certain way, they dress a certain way, they talk a certain way. And if you speak, act, dress, present yourself in ways that don't conform to the middle class image, then you're on the outs. And I was not successful as a person financially, socially, whatever, until I figured out ways to conform 
right? I had to, <laughs> which you would think after so long in the military that, you know, it would have been second nature, but I kind of sucked at it in the military <laughs> a lot of ways. I was usually the guy out, right? Like I was usually kind of on the house a little bit, often to my own doing, but at a certain level, to succeed in a culture, you have to kind of conform into the culture. And I sure didn't know that at the time when I was in community college. I just knew that I couldn't quite conform to any culture there. There were these different groups and stuff, right? Like there were veterans groups, but those always were kind of too conservative for me. And they all kind of thought the same a little bit, but then I go to the writers groups and you'd think, oh, they're artists and they're, you know, different and, you know, and not really. No, a lot of them were kind of the same, but they're kind of like the liberal version of the conservative veteran groups on campus. And so it was like everybody was finding their own tribe and then conforming to it, which is fine. That's a good thing. I just suck at it, <laughs> you know, I, and so I eventually ended up making my own. I wanted to build a group that was more interested in creating art than conforming to a socio-political identity. Because in the military, you're conforming to a certain identity, right? There is a regulations and manuals for how they want you to act. and. Those change on the whim of a fickle politicians and an evolving body politic. And then you get in the real world, back in the civilian world, and that's fractured into 10,000 different groups. And I think people instinctively find safety in tribes. And the gateway to safety in a tribe is conformity. Because in an established hierarchy, one method for advancement, for success, for reward is conformity. If you can conform in all the right ways, pass the right test, wear the right suit, have the right haircut, then you're rewarded with safety and security. But you give up pieces of your individuality when you do that, right? So it's a trade-off. You have to negotiate with the hierarchy itself and find out just how much of your individuality you're wanting to give up in exchange for the security and the prosperity that you want. My final summer in community college, I had this apartment downtown and there was this bar across the street that was called the Thirsty Scholar and I made friends with a lot of the girls that worked there and they would invite me up top of the building for roof parties. I remember the 4th of July in 2015, I was up on the roof of the Thirsty Scholar and I'm having drinks and beers with my friends and we're talking about the issues of the day. And then the fireworks show starts and we're in this amazing central site. We're in a 360 degree view. There's fireworks just shooting up all around us, right? All You could see it all throughout the city. Every fireworks display for five miles is just showing. And it was this amazing moment. And I can close my eyes and remember the beautiful magic of that night. 
everywhere, the world bursting with red, white, and blue, and the swelling patriotism that fills my heart with just how much I love this country was on display all around me. It was like how I saw the world, how I saw my nation every single day in my mind, but in real life, it was, it was wonderful. It was nice feeling included in kind of a new place I wasn't used to before. I remember this party I went to, right? We were all just hanging out at this table and I'm talking to this guy and he's from the Ukrainian army. And this kid is gay as the brightest rainbow in San Francisco. But we had a 45 minute discussion on the benefits and drawbacks of the AR-15 assault rifle versus the AK-47 <laughs> because he was telling me of all these like things that happened and all this crazy combat he saw and then he went to Midwestern America right he came to the States and he just wanted to march in a pride parade and advocate for gay rights and all sorts of stuff and this friend of mine calls me and she's like there's terrorist threats for downtown and they're saying that the terrorists are going to attack and then i was like oh i'll just go find uh, the ukrainian guy right we'll take care of business it'll be fine i talked a good game but i've never done anything close to that but sometimes with enough bravado you can make yourself believe you can do anything so then you can actually do it that's half of winning life is just pretending that you're confident enough to actually pull something off and then over the summer, I just spent the whole summer writing and, and publishing books. Although the fall began in kind of a lousy way. <laughs> so every president that I have served under has tried to reform the Department of Veterans Affairs in one way or another, right? Can't fault them for it. You know, that's easy votes and it's not a bad thing to do. However, when the president was wanting to expedite disability claims for veterans they actually ended up pulling people off of the um school benefits side of the house right so i was expecting a gi bill check i want to say like august right to pay my rent and then they're like yeah no you no we're, we're so far behind you're not getting anything and i went well shit and <laughs> Oh, I was broke. At one point, I had $11, and six of them were laundry quarters. And no, I had a box of MREs that I took from a National Guard armory and half a tank of gas. And that was it. I remember being that broke. I remember having only $11. And then I... <laughs> I went... <laughs> I... I... I got a royalty check from Amazon for seven bucks, right? And so I took that seven bucks and went down to that McDonald's where they wheeled that dead crackhead out of the bathroom and I bought a Big Mac with fries and a Coke because I was, I just was fucking, I was broke. And so with the delays in the GI Bill payment, I reached out to a friend, a very kind old army buddy of mine who was stationed in Korea at the time. And I was telling him my problems. And I said, I'm so broke and I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, oh, well, how much do you need? And, and then I said, oh, well, X amount of dollars would fix most of my problems. 
and he paypal it over first thing right and i'm not going to name him but if you're listening to this and i think you are i think you're you subscribe to the podcast thank you you really really helped me out of a jam and after that things settled i went into my final semester of community college right it was fall of 15 and i had one more semester left to graduate and at this point i had figured out oh there's this thing called a general studies major right where if you just have like 60 credits half of them are electives you too can graduate community college and so i basically just cobbled together enough credits to where oh i just need one more semester of school and i made new friends like i did every semester i had some old friends carry over and i remember graduation it was december of 2015 and we all were going to go see star wars the force awakens right after graduation that was the big plan and i remember walking across that stage and i shook the mayor's hand because he was the guy that was our guest speaker at the community college and i remember feeling this sense of achievement and i remember thinking back to that overwhelmed kid who didn't know how to focus who didn't know how to achieve when he was so anxious and stressed out thinking oh college is for smart people that have money not for me right and i felt like such a loser back then but standing across that stage walking across i knew i was a winner because no one forced me to do it right i figured out how to do it on my own and it took me four years to graduate a two-year program but that's okay because i did and I proved to myself that I didn't need anyone else structuring the thing for me. That I was such a winner. I could do it on my own. And that was something I didn't know until then. That's, I, 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 the piece of paper showed it to me. And that's why it hangs on my wall in my office to this day. And I would go on to a four-year university. right? I'd go on to the local public four-year college. And then I would finish up a bachelor's degree and I'd go on and get married and become the man I always wanted to be. I got to be the guy I always wanted. I can't ask for more. Anyway, that's all for me today. Thanks for listening.